Central Indiana. Hello, Colts fans. Welcome to the first day of the WIBC Sunday Magazine show. My name is Terry Stacy, along with Kylan Talley, who produces the show today. Boom, pow. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Did you say boom and then pow? Yeah. Like a superhero? Yeah. Happy National Comic Book Day. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us today. Colts season home opener. Chiefs are in town at, uh, that's a one o'clock kickoff. You know that, at Lucas Oil Stadium. But it is so nice to see people downtown. It really is. So nice. It's so active. But you know, I've been here all my life. And it's interesting that when the Colts came, it was sea of a sea of blue. A sea of blue. Everybody jumped on the Colts bandwagon. I mean, we were Hoosiers. We got the Colts. And we were. it was the most awesome thing. But with each and every passing year, more of you from out of town have moved here. And you're showing your own, you know, you're showing you who you cheer for. And so not everybody downtown is all Colts fans anymore. Mm-hmm. So coming downtown... I bet you I passed six or seven vehicles with their KC flags hanging and flying and uh, their red trucks. I don't like it. <laughs> Walking around downtown last night, I think I saw more red jerseys than blue. I and that was like weird. <laughs> I didn't know how to feel. I, I don't like it. As long as everybody gets along, you know, who am I to judge? Do what you want to do. <laughs> But just as an old person that was here in the beginning, not of time, but at the beginning of the Colts, <laughs> there were, it just was, it was amazing to see that, that just, there was nobody else. There was no other team. No, you didn't see much else. You really didn't. And now, I mean, we're, we're just, we're blended. So that brings We up- have a lot of people from a lot of places and you, you can share who you, what you want to cheer for. I and I'm sure I'm that fine. everybody's going to be tailgating. So I wonder what tailgate town is going to look like today. Well, it's open for business. And in fact, right now, there's a fantastic concert going on. Free concert. Can I give you a listen of what Please. you're going to hear? Oh, it's so cool. Hit it. Clayton Anderson. Here you go. One of our own. Clayton Anderson performing in Touchdown Town right now, just ahead of the game. Uh, Hometown guy, Bedford. He's from Bedford. Is that around your area? It is. It's down. He's right around the corner from me. You should date him. (laughs) I'll get right on that, Terry. (laughs) He just dropped his new album, Made in the USA. It, uh, I think that dropped on Friday. So it's perfect. Two Fridays ago, yep. Oh, was it two Fridays? I think it was the 16th. What's so it's today? Been just enough oh, time. This I is the 25th. Uh, yes. Oh, yay! <laughs> Those of you tailgating right now, head over to Touchdown Town for that free concert. Pretty awesome. Clayton Anderson, love you! Um, it's a big day. It really is. The, the cold season home opener, home season opener, and I always feel really good about this game. Uh, everybody around me has laughed and said no. 
I don't think the Colts are going to win this one. But people are jacked up. They're excited about this one. There's so many people downtown. It's kind of nice. You're eating. You're you're tailgating. In about an hour, we're going to check in with the Blue Crew. Speaking of food, because you may be. Oh, by the way, Kelsey Murphy. Master Chef Kelsey Murphy from Fisher's. Fisher's, Indiana. She opens her newest restaurant at Lucas Oil Stadium today. She was just the winner about a year ago. Master Chef Legends, season eleven. She took the she took the trophy, took the two fifty two hundred fifty thousand. And uh, anyway, she's got this will be her second restaurant. What a great place to open in Lucas Oil Stadium mm-hmm. for It'll the Colts be a fans. Wonderful experience for us going to the game. Yeah. She'll give you the menu when we talk to her uh, next hour as well as she gets going. And um, it's just kind of an exciting day. But talking about food, because you may be stopping for brunch before you take in the game. The number one brunch restaurant in Indy, according to TripAdvisor, is... And this was just released. Cafe Patachu. Really? On West Washington. On their west, the West Washington location. Number two, Yoke. At City Way, Cafe Patachu at 49th and Penn took third place. Milk Tooth, as you can imagine, in the fourth position. And then Good Morning Mama's Cafe in Broad Ripple. It was number five. Uh, and then six, Seasons 52, Keystone at the Crossing, Shapiro's Metro Diner on East 82nd Street. Delicia, which is South American cuisine. Uh, that one in Broad Ripple. And then Lincoln Square. I love them. 23rd Meridian, that spot, took home number 10. Uh, TripAdvisor, again, picking the number one brunch restaurant in Indy. And that award goes to Cafe Patachu. Congratulations. I love them. So good. So good. So good. Woo! May I ask you all for a little help? Um, This is going to surprise Kylan. She's not going to like it. Uh I'm going off script. I just wondered about this. Okay, everybody, listen, when you're, I just wondered about this, and I don't know if you can help me or not. So I got something in the mail yesterday. To me personally, it tells me I need to open it up immediately. Do not ignore a required action. So you get, you want to, you want to answer that right away. You open it up and it says, Dear Mrs. Stacy Terry, you and your spouse or partners are cordially invited to attend our 2022 Air, Sea, and Land Travel Showcase. Now, this is a fun, informative discussion showing low-cost ways to enjoy future vacations. In exchange for attending, you will receive two complimentary round-trip airline vouchers. These vouchers are for couples valid through travel within the continental United States. In addition, you'll receive two nights at one of our 1,000 hotels to choose from. Retail value, $1,180. And if you also attend, you'll get a $100 dining voucher. Now, is this legit? That's what I'm asking. Because, listen, when I was a kid, Kylan, and 317-239-9393, if you were a kid in the 60s and 70s, and this is how we went on vacations. Really? Like to the Wisconsin Dells. Yeah. Right. This is what we did. And 
I'm just curious. I mean, and we really did. Mom and Dad, I remember. Mom and Dad, we'd get in the car. We'd go to the Wisconsin Dells. The first day, you, they would sit all day long in a, in a place where a person was talking to them about properties, different land. Like, you could buy an acre for $100 in this particular new community. And, and then in return, you'd get a free vacation. So you just go on about your business, and we we had the the week at Wisconsin Dells because Mom and Dad sat through one of these seminars, wow. and so here it is again, here it is again, and I'm just wondering if you have ever gone anybody to one of these free vacations, especially if you were a kid in the '60s and '70s when these offers were legitimate then, and your parents used them for summer vacation. I just wondered if I was the only one, and if they are legitimate now, mm-hmm. it's got at the top of the page, Kylan, it's got in the words, it says American, JetBlue, Southwest. It says, you know, fly aboard all the major domestic airlines. Hampton Inns is also on this, looking like a sponsor of some sort. I just wondered. I don't know whether to take them up on it or not. I can sit through anything. So I could sit through this and maybe get a couple nights. Especially with that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I would be too. That sounds like a great vacation. Oh my gosh, Terry, that reminds me. I haven't told you about my vacation in Texas. Oh, I'll have to tell you all about it in the next segment. Oh, let's do. Okay, all right. Uh, Let's take a break. It's 10.15. You're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. National One Hit Wonder Day from First Day on 93 WIBC. This is one of the one hit wonders that I would think of. This one, my choir director would always play on Fridays when he let go of the class. So every oh, Friday really? we got to end this and start oh, the rest of the day. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's still music you know. Yes, it is. Yeah. Even though so it was a one hit wonder. I couldn't tell you any of the other songs that this group has. It is 1021. Thanks for joining us here on the first day. We are so glad that you're here on this Colts Sunday on a beautiful day to tailgate. We'll talk more about that in the next hour when we visit with the Blue Crew and also Chef Kelsey Murphy, who opens her restaurant at Lucas Oil Stadium today. Uh, But we were talking just a few minutes ago, and I'm so grateful for the help, guys, because I got this card in the mail. It's a nice little letter, and it's inviting me to a uh, 2022 Air, Sea, and Land Travel Showcase. If I go, then I'm going to get a vacation for free, flight, hotel, and even some food. And this is the way. It reminded me. I had not seen one of these since I was a kid, and this is how my family went on vacations to the Dells many times. And now, Nora joins us here on 93 WIBC. Nora, thanks for calling. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. So do you know Do you know about these? Have you ever received one of these before, and is it legitimate in this day and age? Well, you know what? That sounds awful similar to a timeshare thing. Because um, oh. my husband was like, we got something similar to that. Yeah. So when we got there... Come to find out, it's a timeshare thing. Oh. Did you get anything free for going? Yeah, they gave me a, a dinner voucher thing. Oh. <laughs> so. Was it was it worth your time? Well, for a dinner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love food, so it would be worth it for me. Hey, Nora, who's going to win today, the Colts or the Chiefs? Oh, it's going to be the Colts. At a girl. There you go. Positivity. You know, I've been listening to you guys since I was uh, 13 years old. Oh. I'm 73 now. Oh, thank you.
you, thank you, yeah, thank I you. Speedway, so I think uh, Denny lives in Speedway. Yeah, he sure did. He grew oh, yeah. up in that area. Sure did. So I've been a long time listener. <laughs> Listen, we appreciate your loyalty. Thank you so much, Nora. We're really glad to hear from you. Thanks for calling us today on the first day. Have a good rest of the day. You too. 1023, it is a beautiful day for tailgating. Liked her optimism. Oh, I liked her too. help. That was the first time we took a call on the first day. Yay. I like knowing who's listening. Me too. I think it's kind of fun. Kind of get to know you a little bit. I like knowing who I spend my Sunday mm-hmm. mornings with. Yeah. So we're, we just talked about travel briefly here for a minute. And you just yeah. got back from a drive to Texas. Yes. I went to Texas this past week. And, okay, so I drove mm-hmm. 1,047 miles to Killeen, Texas, where my brother's stationed at Fort Hood. And then I drove 70 miles to Austin, where I flew 915 miles <laughs> to Denver, Colorado. Oh, to cut you the wrong way. <laughs> a little layover. I got to visit some family for the 14 hour Oh, that's, hour I've always forget you're from Colorado. It was very nice. Just a brief visit. That's cool that you got to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I flew 1,124 miles to Louisville, Kentucky, and then finally drove 114 <laughs> miles up here to Indianapolis to work today. How many miles did I travel for my trip? I don't know. Too many. Too many. How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feel? Honestly, pretty rejuvenating. And I'm I'm never said this before in my life, but I am very happy to be back in Indiana because normally it's just a nice trip where I'm happy to be back home, but not necessarily the Indiana part. But that I I know it doesn't sound very good, but it gave me so much appreciation for Indiana. I'm so happy. Not the I'm happy to be back, not the Indiana part. Not typically, which has changed over the last year, apparently. I don't know what it is, but the nature here, the trees are so tall, the air is so beautiful. It's gotten into you now. Oh, it has. Yeah. I'm an Indiana. Indiana has it's wormed its way into you and now it's home. Mm Mm-hmm. It really is. No, really. It, Look at her. I, you can see her face. No, She's like, mm, yeah, I guess I just it's like home. all over. I love traveling. <laughs> Happy National Math Storytelling Day, if you were keeping along. Oh, that was the math problem. <laughs> she told me she was going to give me a math problem. I didn't There's write a, a thing down. Numbers. It is National Math Problem Day. Everything's got a day. <laughs> Um, I know we've got just a couple of minutes here, but this is kind of interesting as I'm looking. And there, I know there's a lot of news going on, and I'm, we're watching the hurricane information, too. Uh, and which is still a tropical storm, but they say will be a hurricane by this evening, perhaps tomorrow morning. But this is kind of interesting. There's a Target shopper that has gone viral with a common sense shopping etiquette, kind of a public service announcement. And this is something to think about, guys, okay? So, and I know... <laughs> Not really a big problem when you think about what others are doing, but this seems to be a problem for some. When you're shopping and you're going down the main aisles with your cart, all right, you're shopping, you're on the main aisles, you're not veering left into the beauty department or right into the cards department or whatever the left or rights may be. But you should have the right of way according to this angry, angry shopper. She is frustrated with the fact that people that are coming out of the aisles are running into her because they're not stopping first. <laughs> a shopping etiquette problem gone viral again. This is what we're, this is our big problem for today, according to this woman. But there is shopping etiquette, she says. So it did wow. make me think. Huh. 
if you are driving in the main aisles, just like a roadway, you have the right of way. You, the other people that are coming in from other aisles, beauty, whatever it may be, you got your toothpaste. You know how you veer off into the aisles. Right. You don't have the right of way. You need to merge. <laughs> The people from the other aisles going into Here's the main Here's your math one? problem, right? This is what you're thinking. It feels like a math problem in your head. You come in, you grab your cart, you're going down the main aisles, mm-hmm. right? You're just getting, it's like the the main ro- the main roadway. Right. So maybe you'll go left in the soup department, or maybe you'll go right to the clothes, or whatever it may be. You should always have the right-of-way. This mm-hmm. person's problem is that people that are coming in from the aisles to get back onto the main road mm-hmm. okay. are not stopping. So and um, they're or they may be cutting in for veering off. You know, this is just yeah. a, this is just seriously the driving habits that people have are now being brought into the stores. <laughs> I do have a lot of pet peeves about driving, but this one brings up a conundrum because with me, whenever I'm trying to get into that aisle, then I want them to leave the aisle so I have more room to turn my cart in instead of just trying to fit two carts in the aisle. But you know what I think is funny. I think it's funny because we think about this, you know, this story and the the time that now I have spent talking about it to you. Um, when people like in Ukraine are dodging bombs, they're, uh, you know, bomb, and then Florida now preparing for what could be a Category 4 hurricane. In the meantime... <laughs> Here's the big problem that's making it on the front page of news is that this person's mm-hmm. angry about the way we drive in, in stores. It's the little things that get to us, and we we got to stop this stuff, really. This little petty stuff that we get so mad about, and we got to calm down. We really have to calm down. I'm watching you running red lights and stop signs. I mean, you're driving. People are insane drivers. I'm surprised more people aren't killed. What am I doing? Here's our PSA for what you guys. What am I Happy doing? Sunday. What has happened to me? <laughs> you want to see the world change. You know what? All right, let's you know all what? take a break. We can change the world with at least screen time. You talk to Dr. Spoon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. This is another problem. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm so sorry. Children are wearing glasses. Little children, more little children are wearing glasses. And Dr. Derek Sprunger from Riley Children's Hospital, uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about why this is a big deal. When we return, thanks for joining us this morning. No more. I'm not, no more. It's 1030, 93 WIBC. You've heard the song, and this is honestly one of the first singles that this group, Pilot, had, and it was one of their first hit singles, and honestly one of their last, because I don't know any other songs by Pilot. This song was inspired by the sunrise on Blackford Hill in Edinburgh, and I thought that was really interesting because I'm a very sunrise and sunset person, and it ended up reaching number five during the summer of 1975 in the U.S. on the Billboard Hot 100. And then they were never to be heard of again, unfortunately. Oh, let's get this started, Terry, yeah? 
93 WIBC. It is Terry Stacy. September is Healthy Eye Month. And an article crossed my desk the other day about a doctor that began noticing something unusual about the kids in her New York City practice. She says more of them were requiring glasses and at a younger age. And many of these kids had parents who had perfect vision and were baffled by the decline in their children's eyesight. Well, a generation of children suddenly seeing worse than their parents is now dubbed the myopic generation. And joining us now is Dr. Derek Sprunger, professor of clinical ophthalmology at Riley Hospital for Children and the Glick Eye Institute. Welcome, Dr. Sprunger. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Terry. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So myop, my myopi, my, oh my myopia. goodness. Thank you. Myopia is what? is uh, basically nearsightedness whenever uh, a, a person can't see clearly, particularly in the distance, due to the eye being relatively uh, too long to a normal eye. And I was diagnosed with that when I was about 17 or 18. And it, and, and I thought at the time, both of my parents were wearing glasses, and I thought I remember the doctor saying that this was genetic. Is it genetic? Yeah, Terry, that's a great question. Basically, uh, we feel like there are essentially three factors which contribute to uh, myopia. Uh, those being genetics, it, that is a component. It does raise your risk if one parent has it and raises it even more if both parents have it. That doesn't mean the child will definitely have it, but it does increase the chances of it. There are some uh, factors which are not genetic, which are more environmental which contribute to nearsightedness, particularly in kids. And you are correct that we are seeing this more frequently, uh, particularly uh, in the United States now. And it was actually picked up in Asia uh, years ago, and it's kind of spread over the United States. But the environmental factors uh, tend to be uh, not spending enough time outside as a child, and also with excessive screen time or uh, book time, too much uh, excessive book time or screen time. So those are environmental factors which are associated with it in addition to the genetic aspect. Not being outside enough, that is an, a part I had no idea that can change your eyesight because you're not outside it, enough? Yeah, particularly as a child. This is, uh, 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 is basically attributable more to children. And um, there are different theories on why that happens. But there's, there's thought that the light that goes into the eye that is natural light um, uh, can be preventative for the uh, uh, for development of nearsightedness or myopia. Wow. Uh, so it's recommended for children to be outside as many days as possible for two hours of sunlight. I had no idea. When did you start to see the number begin to change and the number of children needing glasses? When did you start to see it kind of grow to where it made you a little more concerned? Yeah, yeah. It's it's been over the last six years in that in that range. I mean, we were getting an inkling a little bit before that, but over the last five years, certainly we're seeing more. And then COVID has has changed it even more, and that relates to. Um, maybe not so much the being outside, but more the excess screen time and excess uh, book time. In other words, anything that where you're using your eyes to focus on things close up, if that's uh, done excessively, it absolutely can contribute to the progression of nearsightedness in children.
So parents may think, okay, so my kids are going to have to wear glasses because they're nearsighted. But is there, or are there more concerns when myopathy is diagnosed at a young age? Yes, yes there is, because if it, if it uh, initiates early, it tends to become uh, more as opposed to uh, developing later in life. And uh, yes, there uh, basically you can treat it, but the uh, best thing that can happen is if it's detected young enough, uh, there are methods to do to, to use, utilize to control and decrease the progression, if not completely stop the progression of the nearsightedness in children. I was reading in this particular article that I was talking about that nearsighted eyes become prone to some really serious problems too, like glaucoma and retinal detachment in middle age, conditions that can in turn cause permanent blindness. Uh, that is absolutely correct, Terry. And um, I, to prevent nearsightedness, just so you don't have to wear glasses or contacts, that's really not a, the, the big issue. The big issue is exactly what you said. The increased nearsightedness, even as a child, uh, can uh, lead to many significant eye problems later in life, including uh, visual uh, entities that cause visual loss. Uh, so uh, that's that's why it's really a big deal, this nearsightedness in, in, in children and trying to uh, detect it and then uh, prevent it from uh, progressing. And then if it does start uh, um, treating it uh, with glasses or contacts, uh, but the idea is to try to pre prevent the progression of the nearsightedness if picked up at a young enough age. This is Dr. Derek Sprunger, professor of clinical ophthalmology at Riley Hospital for Children and also the Glick Eye Institute. Are babies all born with perfect eyesight? Uh, not all are. The vast majority are, but not all, all children. Um, th these uh, eye problems in young children should be uh, uh, screened for, particularly by the primary care doctors. That's your pediatrician or family uh, doctor. Every exam should include some sort of vision check. And then as a child gets older, they should be screened for vision problems in the primary care doctor uh, office. So okay. that's where it should be picked up uh, at an early age. Okay. And also, and also, there's also screening at schools, uh, which is important to, to uh, pick up on this nearsightedness thing. At what age in our life do our eyes begin to change? And, and how often do they change? Yeah, they're changing constantly. Uh, most kids actually start out farsighted, which is normal, and then they, you neutralize uh, and you just hope you neutralize and don't progress on to go into the near side. So eyes are constantly changing through life. Okay. Is the shape of the eyeball what determines if you're near or farsighted? Yeah, essentially that that's the, the, the that's cause the... of near side. This is when it's when it's long. So when I had laser vision correction, what was it doing to change my nearsightedness? Right. What it did is uh, the, the cornea uh, on your eye, the front uh, the front clear part helps focus the rays of light into your eye. Whenever you're nearsighted, those rays of light are not focusing on the, the retina. And whenever they did is they reshaped your cornea uh, to compensate for the length of your eye, because you can't change the length of the eye, uh, essentially, with a treatment like that. So you're changing the front surface of the eye and how it focuses the rays of light going into the eye. 
you know, my eye doctor continues to push for better vision habits, but I still have to use the computers for long periods of time for work. Remind parents and even adults, or parents and, and all of us, what we can do to maintain good vision and healthy eyes, whether that's for our children or for ourselves. Yeah, so this applies to everybody. And basically, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing a lot more of this kind of problem and eye strain problems uh, during COVID and particularly with more near work. The key is this, Terry, is taking frequent breaks from focusing close up. In fact, the best way to remember it is uh, uh, something that came up is the 20-20-20 rule. That means every 20 minutes, you take 20 seconds and rest your eyes by looking 20 feet away. And it says frequent breaks, and that is healthy for adults, and also that can be helpful to prevent the myopia development in children as well, is taking those frequent breaks. This must be concerning to you when you start to see these numbers growing among children that need glasses. Absolutely, and again, uh, it's the the long-term ramifications of of this nearsightedness. Uh, It's what's going to happen, you know, in the next decades down the road as these children who are developing it turn into uh, 20, 30, and 40-year-olds. That's when the real problems are going to show up, and it's a real concern. And it's a it's a big uh, it's something we're trying to attack from a pediatric ophthalmology standpoint is uh, getting actively involved in this, figuring out uh, best way to st- screen kids, detect it. You have to detect it before you can uh, prevent its progression. So those are all important factors in, in myopia. Dr. Derek Spronger, professor of clinical ophthalmology with Riley Hospital for Children and the Glick Eye Institute. September is Healthy Eye Month, and I thought this story was interesting and uh, also a little bit scary. And I, I really appreciate you talking to us today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Terry. 1046, you're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. It is 1051. Terry Stacy, along with Kylan Talley. Listen, if you would like to get out and enjoy this beautiful afternoon, hey, maybe you just don't care about the Colts. Maybe you just don't care about the game. But if you, I know, but maybe <laughs> there's a few of you that will still want to get out and enjoy this day. It is the final day of the Carmel International Arts Fair. Joining us now is Jill Gilmer. Jill, it's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm good, Terry. Thank you. How are you? We're doing okay. And this is such an awesome event. It really is educating the community through the arts. It's artists. It's entertainment. It's food. It is incredible. There's music um, on all three stages. And then there's food and obviously the art. There's nine different mediums. It's incredible. Um, Any type of medium that you're thinking, wood, sculpture, glass, canvas, texture, jewelry, um, there's something for everybody. It takes place where in Carmel? Downtown at Main, Main Street, and Rangeline. Oh, everything is free. The entire festival, even the kid area, it's very interactive this year, and it's all free as well. So Young at Art is what we're calling it, and it's just to get kids um, trying different types of art mediums and different different ways of interacting with different pieces and different elements. So there will be jewelry making. Um, there's some kind of like origami, like the ways that you can build pieces for the kids. Um, and then there's paint by numbers, which is for maybe a little bit older. Um, so like the teenage area. And um, next year, we're actually looking at trying to get a piece from the loom as well. So it, it's a it's a growing interactive area for the children. And you mentioned all the artists that will be there. Oh, my gosh, it's incredible. So 
they come from all over, um, and they really do. We have a lot of local artists, yes, but we also have, um, it's an international festival, so we have artists from all over the country, and um, we are actually bringing in the sister cities this year, um, Carmel Sister Cities. So we have an artist from Cortona, Italy, and um, Jelgava, Latvia, um, and both of them are coming. One of them's a jewelry maker, and one of them sculptures. I have some really neat pieces over the years. Um, there are different artists every year, and I would say each year the art gets a little bit, and I don't want to say better, um, but, you know, we've been able to have a better judging system. So we have more jurors. Now it's all jurors. And, you know, you, you basically, they jury each other as well. So they decide who's better and who, who can move up and move forward for the following year. So there's pieces for everybody. There's jewelry pieces that are, you know, $20, $30, and then there's art pieces that are, um, in the thousands. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a little bit for everybody. I think just that it's so, um, it's such a good festival for everybody. A lot of the festivals are geared towards um, one sex or one age group or something like that. But honestly, the arts festival is for everybody. It's dog friendly. Um, so it, it brings out the entire family. And like I said, there's, there's food, there's kids on the stage. So we have Rock Garage sponsoring one of our stages this year. So it's a, it's, other kids watching kids perform an instrument that's incredible to me so yeah. we love that it's just so family friendly yeah i love it too and it's free and it is free, and it's free. plenty of food and drink yes so um that's actually somewhat international as well so we have um euros oriental grill is back this year so they do chicken steak on a stick um egg rolls there's papa papa george's there's a lot of different types of food um, and then we have the ice cream and elephant ears, things like that, that obviously the kids love, too. So a bunch of different food vendors that are coming, but we also are trying to incorporate the local restaurants, obviously. If you've been on Main Street, there's quite a few new restaurants, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, give us the hours, Jill. Sure. It's 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. 11 to 5 p.m. And again, this is on Main Street and Range Line Road in Carmel. It's the Carmel International Arts Festival. Don't be a stranger when you see me. Please say hi. <laughs> we, it's so much fun. We just, I love meeting new people. It brings out so many different um, different types of people in different ages. So, yes, it's, it's so much fun for everybody. It really is. That's Jill Gilmer. And uh, come on out to the International Arts Festival in Carmel. Just Google CarmelInternationalArtsFestival.org and it pops up. Okay. And there is a website. It has a map on there. It has, um, you know, where restrooms are located, where parking is located. Obviously, with a big festival in the middle of some of the main streets, uh, there's quite a bit of road blockage. So they tell you how to get around that area. Um, so, and then it also lists every artist, the type that they have, um, type of medium that they are doing, and then all the bands. The, the bands, the schedule is on there. Jill, thank you. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. Lots to do today if you're a Colts fan uh, as we sit here on, in our uh, office or on our studios on the circle. We're seeing a lot more Kansas City fans than we are Colts fans. What is going on there? Uh, it is uh, 1056. Today's top stories are next. 93 WIBC. Oh.